solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And before we get started today, Katie, I just want to ask, how are you? I'm okay. <laughs> I know that uh, I should probably say I'm doing great, right? Because I'm I'm a therapist and I'm supposed to be perfect. Well. You know, if I was your client and knowing that about you, I guess I just don't want to share with your ambiguous answer about how you're doing. <laughs> so today we are inspired by an article by Lori Gottlieb in The Atlantic titled Dear Therapist, The Pandemic Has Changed My Relationship with My Therapist. And in this article, readers send in questions to Lori. She answers them from this therapist perspective. But this client slash letter writer was talking about knowing that therapists are going through the pandemic too, that she as a client feels she needs to take care of the therapist by not burdening their therapist with any more problems than are already going on, starting to withhold some of the personal aspects that uh, supposed to be working on in therapy. And Katie and I decided to dig into what is called shared traumatic experiences and looking at anything that we can dig up in the literature about what is happening around this kind of scenario. And before we dive into the research, Katie, are you experiencing this kind of stuff with your clients right now? In the beginning, I did. The clients who I'd been with for a very long time seemed to want to check in and make sure I was okay. They noticed where I was. Some of them had been telehealth and knew that I was at home. But it, I think it was something where in talking with them, you know, they started really seeing from my perspective and asking about how I was taking care of myself with having to deal with these things all day long. <laughs> Numbers of stories, everybody's, you know, everybody's going through this. How are you handling it? That kind of stuff. Like I definitely had people who were more worried about me and more aware of me as a human being than typical. How about you? Very, very similar. I think that as time has gone on, I'm starting to sense that pickup of little test questions again, you know, a little bit longer linger on that. And how are you doing at the beginning mm -hmm. of sessions? And there's this space that we have around being modern therapists that Katie and I really encourage around authenticity with precaution. 
And I think that this is where we have talked before in our brand called you about, you know, some of the dangers of self-disclosure, that there's a lot of benefits to it that makes it seem, you know, like we've been through an experience that our empathy means something that we have a real experience that we can relate to our clients. And this falls onto that more caution end of things. When, you know, my clients use the audience, know that I have things like kids and that for many places in the country where stay-at-home orders or school closures have put kids at home, my clients are very correctly guessing that my kids are at home all day, that they're potentially you know, in the next room, down the hall or whatever, and are starting to question around things like, you know, how, how are you handling your parenting thing while I'm doing my parenting thing at home? And so there really does become this, I have a very open and real relationship with a lot of my clients, but I'm getting the sense that some of those questions just kind of have a little bit deeper edge to them as far as, do you really have the capacity to take on my issues while I know that you're very really going through some of your own stuff at home. So Katie, how are you handling the questions from your clients? Cause you know, you don't have that obvious like kid thing that you relate to with a lot of your clients. You don't work with kids in the same capacity that I do. You're not having the same interactions with parents that I do. So I'm wondering from your experience, if this is just a uniquely kid therapist related thing or if this is something that is permeating in a lot other people's practices too? It's definitely happening in my office. I have clients who were aware that I sheltered in place early because of my asthma and my own issues. So that's something that's come into the room that I've I've at a higher risk. I also have clients who have recognized that I travel a lot and I do other things. And so there's been that kind of, you know, do you, are you still doing all this stuff and what's going on? I have clients who I have talked with about the normalization of the experience. So we're all going through this. These are the decisions we're making. These are the things that are tough. And sometimes I say, you know, in the conversations I'm having with my clients, this is the thing I'm seeing at this stage of the, the shutdown or the, the stay at home orders. In other times, I'm also talking about how my experiences are coming in a little bit and recognizing that I have to play with that client by client because I think with some of them, it's like, oh, yeah, you're you're a human being too. Are you okay? And so what I've done is I've let them know, you know, with caution, my asthma is very controlled. I've been very cautious. I'm, I'm safe. I'm fine. I'm healthy. So there's no worries there. I've also talked about how I have really incorporated strong self-care so that my my work, I'm able to focus on it and that I have the support I need. Because I think a lot of, of my clients recognize that I do a lot of supporting them and creating these structures for themselves. And so I just reiterate that I am doing that for myself and I'm doing okay. And so it feels like it's become a very person-to-person conversation and it, it's definitely different with each client. But it's something where I feel like it's been really important to do a little bit more disclosure in how I'm taking care of myself and also a limitation of my we're in this together kind of thing. Because I think initially, and I think it has, it's almost kind of the disinhibition effect that people see in telehealth. I felt like I was more t- more prone to saying things and being 
present in a human way than I would in person because I didn't have like the the office to be the professional. I was sitting in my home looking at a screen. And so I, I found myself get more and more aware of how I'm showing up. I, I don't think I've, I did anything that was necessarily horrible. I think there was potentially some self-disclosure that needed more discussion and potentially I wouldn't do now, but I, I don't think that I did anything horrible. So I'm not worried about that, but I definitely had to make sure that anything that I needed to make them aware of that was personal, that I was able to also close that loop for them so that they didn't continue to worry about it. And I agree. I think that a lot of my responses and where from our experience that we encourage your responses to your clients to be is around that pivot of this is how I'm taking care of myself right now that really helps to solidify that, yes, I am in a position to continue to do my job, that mm-hmm. you, know, you can still have very realistic experiences. Being at home with kids all day and doing this job is a balance and it is there there is a struggle to it. And you know, I don't think that there has to be any secret about it. And that's why I'm glad that my household has been able to put into place a system that allows for me or my wife to be able to handle kids' schedules, be able to negotiate things, be able to step in when we do have that availability and to let go of some of the situations that we don't and accept it. And I think that this is some of that modeling that we're both speaking to of that we can have problems and still be able to address them, that that part of therapy that works still can be very real and it can still then allow for that acknowledgement of, hey, we're both in this together and there's a way that we can turn this back to now that you're aware of me taking care of me, let me take care of you. Yeah. And I think when I talked about this in the recession proofing your practice episode, but when I went to a very customer service oriented stands, which you know we should do anyway, but when you're looking at potentially a recession or clients that may fall away, I decided to make it very clear I was making myself more available because I'm stuck at home and I was able to talk about my scheduling flexibility, which I know is different than yours, Kurt, because you've got that uh, the the balance that you're doing with your family responsibilities. But I think even in how I described how I can be of support and what additional ways I might be able to be available, I think that was also reassuring for my clients. Therapy Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time, and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And so I want to get into some of this research here because I think that it also helps to put a little bit of a, a lens into that there is some precedent for how we should go about this. And the really early research on shared traumatic experiences was done as far back as what I was able to dig up this week, as far back as World War II with therapists working with clients in London during the Blitzkrieg. And more of the 
more robust research has come out in the 21st century, particularly around therapists in New York in the aftermath of 9-11, therapists in the New Orleans area after Hurricane Katrina. But we're the most similar research to what we're going on now, because all of those other events were relatively short contained either single event and aftermath that was building and reconstructing. Whereas the situation we're in now kind of has a lot longer term unfolding before we know what any answers are. I mean, think of how fast the news has changed even from last week that the most similar research to what we have now is a lot of research that's come out of Israel, of therapists working with clients during the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and especially with bombings and conflicts that go on, targeted settlements, that has really been able to look at not just the impact on the therapist in managing trauma or the therapist in managing secondary trauma, or vicarious trauma, or supervisors mm-hmm. managing tertiary trauma, <laughs> it, but also looking at this as a shared, ongoing traumatic experience, and how that shifts in a number of different ways. And some of you have already experienced this, you know, jumping onto telehealth now from your home and rather than being in your office, clients being able to see that shift even into a little bit more personal aspect of your life that is a boundary shift that even if you you know have a blank wall behind you or you're playing with the zoom backgrounds to where it just looks like an office behind you that that is a boundary <laughs> shift that has a ton of clinical and ethical considerations that go around it and knowing that we're not necessarily having to reinvent the wheel around this, but acknowledging that that has happened and is a point of process that we need to bring to our clients in kind of a delicate way. I hadn't thought about it as a boundary shift or I didn't think to label it, I guess, because I think for me, I had created an office space that is where I provide online therapy and online services. So it, it still feels like there is a a type of space that still feels pretty professional for me. And I know that not everyone is as privileged to have an extra space as I am. And in thinking about it, I think the the dual relationship or the boundary or whatever, I mean, I think dual relationship is wrong, but I think some people have talked about it in that way. In processing that and looking at how we're talking with clients about this shift, I think it's something that is it requires nuance and it requires really being able to be present and authentic while not over disclosing. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there's going to be things that you may have to tell clients, which is, you know, if your schedule is going to be repeatedly, in, you know, shifting around because of childcare responsibilities or those kinds of things, like just saying like, Oh, my schedule's really inconsistent. Like doesn't feel totally honest. It <laughs> doesn't feel like it really gives them something to, to latch on to, but saying, yeah, my wife and I are struggling and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having, you know, potentially, you know, looking at divorce, but since we're stuck here, like you wouldn't want to go into right. <laughs> all of the reasons why your schedule is so crazy. And so I think it's, it requires such a level of nuance. And I think especially in the beginning of the stay at home orders and that kind of stuff, I mean, uh, 
two months in, it feels a little bit more like, okay, this is just the, the new normal. But especially in the beginning, I know for myself, it felt hard even just to kind of be present for myself, much less be 100% present where I could have some of these nuanced conversations. And so I think being able to really get yourself in a place where you can is of the utmost importance. The research that I've come across, there's there's a handful of researchers who've written a number of tremendous articles. We'll link to those in our show notes. You can find that at, at mtsgpodcast.com. But the collection of researchers, they've all partnered together in different ways here. So uh, Carol Tassone, Ulrich Newtman, Schwartz, Rachel Deckel and Tamar Lobby are the group of writers and researchers that have spoken on a, a number of these different articles here and seem to be the ones most pushing this idea of a shared traumatic experience and responses to it. And really talking around some of these boundary ideas around when the outside world enters into the intervention space. Yeah. How are you doing with the pandemic? You know, just kind of as a, <laughs> okay, that's the outside world coming into the space. Yes. Then there's the inside world that's also going out into the space. Hey, I'm running, you know, getting the messages from your clients of, my kid is throwing a tantrum and isn't getting onto their Zoom call with their teacher right now. I'm running, you know, 15 minutes late because this is just going to be something that my kid's either going to be tantruming in the room with me or I have to go deal with this. Yeah. That happens both ways. But then there's also the conceptualization that clients are saying, you, you're going through these kinds of things too. That you can't completely sidestep and ignore and just be that blank slate that's like, no, no, no let's just steer you right back into how, how are you doing with your thing? That clients want to be able to relate, especially in this kind of stay-at-home isolation that many people are experiencing, where they're not having their own normal reactions and their normal coping patterns to be able to just kind of go and vent about you know, hey, here's work, here's, you know, my spousal problem, here's my child problem, or here's my parent problem if you're working with kids and teens, that they can just go and normalize in a healthy psychosocial way. And so you potentially end up being somebody who is that normal experience and that replacement transference for a lot of your clients in these situations because they're not communicating with a whole lot of other people. And this might be one of their only times to really have an emotional connection around some of those struggles. And for you to accept that transference does bear a weight on you. I mean, I know just how much sitting in front of Zoom all day long, getting that Zoom gloom sort of teletherapy, <laughs> you know, wear down throughout the day where you know, I have to make a very conscious effort even more so now between sessions to like, all right, I gotta go outside and just like yep. touch, touch some plants and grass and just like mm -hmm. just to recenter but this speaks to a different kind of self-care that we really have to accept for ourselves especially knowing that many of us are still going to continue working in a teletherapy setting but also those of you who are returning back to seeing clients in person whether it be by your choice or not, uh, agency mandates seeing people in person, insurance companies no longer reimbursing for telehealth services or 
you know, seeing some of that coming out here in the next couple of weeks where now you're going to be in an office with somebody with the visual and physical reminders, you know, people wearing masks, needing to clean up every surface all the time. That is an added stressor that our clients are aware of is being put on us, our coworkers, that they're going to want to caretake us too, especially if they come from their own trauma backgrounds. I think that's an important caveat because I think there are some clients that will remain oblivious and very focused on their own work, which is completely righteous and I think is important. Awesome. Because, go yeah. go be the go have <laughs> awesome clients like that. With a lot of my clients, they were already trying to take care of me prior to the pandemic. Oh, you know, you must hear this all the time. I must be talking too much. I'm sorry that I'm complaining. You know, those types of things where they're constant caregivers. I mean, with the whole sacrificial helping, like I get people who don't take care of their own needs and instead take care of other people. So for me, this has been big. Like this is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's, let's actually look at what you need so that you can take care of yourself and the people in your life. I'm okay. I got this, you know, because they're, they're, they were already doing it. So I think that really looking at how can you not pathologize it because I don't think we need to pathologize someone wanting to take care of us during this time because I think there is a collective desire or at least a portion of our collective <laughs> to to care for others and to care for society and, and maybe I'm being Pollyanna because I know there's a whole bunch of people with rugged independence that don't want to take care of anybody else and that's a whole other conversation but there is a coming together that I think a lot of us probably are experiencing with our clients that is just a human nature and we shouldn't pathologize it. But I think when, when you get through that initial conversation about I'm okay, you know, this is how I'm taking care of myself. This, these are the precautions I'm taking. I've figured it out. I'm going to be okay. Now let's get back to you. If they can't shift, then I think it becomes treatment fodder, right? Right. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. And this is where we'll go back to that idea around, you know, boundary shifts can beget more boundary shifts. And that's, that's a neutral stance on this, that it's not necessarily something that is a good thing. It's not necessarily something that's a bad thing. It can be either. And I think that one of the slippery slopes that we need to watch here is that 
just because we're boundary shifting, because we're only relating to our clients through you know, telehealth. They're the ones that we're only talking to because our support systems are diffuse. And at the end of the day, if our, you know, not sitting in traffic, calling my friends and talking about my day like I <laughs> did in the past, like the last thing that I want to do most days is get on another video call and hang out with my friends is that <laughs> exactly. that can be something where if your emotional relationships are largely just with your clients now, you have to be aware of that's another potential boundary shift that moves yep. further into those dual relationships. But there's also positives to this too. Think of how much more clinical fodder we've been able to see by seeing people in their own environments and the way that they oh, interact yeah. with their house and being able to take these boundary shifts to see a new side of people, to see who has risen to this occasion and seemingly is fine as a sign of people who are constantly anxious and now have something to constantly be anxious about. So everything yeah. else just kind of settles into place or the people that you thought were well put together and are just now just decompensating. Mm -hmm. So with these boundary shifts to address this clinically is also necessitated by you taking care of yourself in a conscious way of you knowing as the therapist that you got some stuff going on now too, even more so than ever, and that you have to take an extra step to talk about this shared experience with other people who aren't your clients. And especially if you as the therapist are isolated too, that we need to have spaces to just kind of go and process with other therapists to share our experience of here's some of the the boundary shifts that we're experiencing with clients and here's what my reaction is to it or here's you know another meeting after another meeting after another meeting and just you know come and join our happy hours that we're doing uh, you know right now during during quarantine you can find out more about those in our facebook group the modern therapist group but that you as the therapist need to have some of that structural self-care for yourself to be able to continue to meet people's needs and not give those subtle cues to our clients of maybe i can't take what your clients on even though my words are saying yes my reaction my pause isn't saying the same thing. I have a couple of different places I want to go with this. But before we talk about potentially appearing incapable, I, I do want to acknowledge that we do have some colleagues who are, have not moved to telehealth and are still experiencing some of this. And if you're cleaning, if you're moving things around the office, if you're doing things to keep people safe while you're meeting in person and wearing a mask or those kind of things, that still brings your humanity into the room, even if you're still in the office, because there is there is a common traumatic experience, there is a humanity that's present. And I think that this applies in those situations too, especially for folks who have been in the office the whole time and has have had to discuss these risks with their clients human to human. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing, and, and this speaks to the support, I think that as a group of modern therapists, I think it's really important that we accept all of our colleagues for the choices that they're making and provide knowledge and education. I, I understand that there are people that are making decisions in from places that that maybe we don't necessarily 
agree with or, or making different decisions than we would, because I think that our colleagues who are in the office also need to be able to come and share their experiences and get support in the same way. And I think that that's not happening in a lot of Facebook groups. I think people are being shamed for staying in the office. And I think that, you know, we've talked about there's different reasons to be in the office and to be doing telehealth. And so to me, I feel like as modern therapists, part of our experience should be in supporting each other during this time with the very difficult decisions we're having to make. Part of where some of these boundary shifts in this nature that we may not be aware of, and this is in one of the articles, this is Shared Traumatic Reality and Boundary Theory, How Mental Health Professionals Cope with Homework Conflicts During Continuous Security Threats. This is by Deckel, Nutman Shorts, and Lavi. And talking about how Boundary shifts are any times that we are facing a shift in tasks that comes outside of the job description or the therapeutic relationship description that we've established with clients. And kind of building on your point here is these are boundary shifts that we're even facing within the therapist community and where some of these disagreements are coming up that you know, we like things to be nice and predictable. We spend so much time in law and ethics classes to account for every single legal and clinical thing that could ever come up. And then we get thrust into a worldwide pandemic where, you know, there's not an ethics code around, here's what you do in a pandemic. (laughs) There's not black and white. There's not black and white here. Right. And so when we are put into these situations and we're forced to think outside the box or we're forced into responding quick responses that we are more prone to being at higher risk of these shared traumatic responses. And there are a couple of scales out there about shared traumatic responses and the effect on therapists uh, that are referenced in these articles that we'll put in the show notes. But the thing that I have found in here is that the therapists who are seemingly most at risk for this are the ones who are wearing the most hats, the ones who are responsible to a number of people more, a number of different systems more, having more responsibilities. People who not only might be in a practice, but might be a coach and a professor and an agency manager. And oh my God, uh, I'm talking about no. you and me. <laughs> <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> Know your risk in this is a big part of it. And why is that a bigger risk? Us having all these different hats. Think about it. Think about it from decision fatigue. That if you have the responsibilities of, okay, I have to manage a caseload of 20 people and I have to manage a podcast that has millions of listeners who are. (laughs) (laughs) And. You know, if you're, and I have to figure out how to transition a conference online. <laughs> and if you're managing in an agency where it's not only managing, you know, a bunch of other therapists, but then their clients and negotiating with health officials, and yeah. you know, depending on the nature of where you're at, uh, news sources, and your family, and your kids' school, and everything else, that each of these things becomes an additive factor of needing the space to clear out your mind, close all of those mental tabs each day to get back to a place of center to do the work that you need to be able to do. 
at its core, this is good trauma-informed workplace care that you'd need to settle into in order to continue to stay resilient against the vicarious traumas that your clients are potentially bringing in, the shared trauma that the pandemic is bringing in. But to know that this is not just how do you force yourself back into very difficult conversations and very difficult settings each day, but really beyond just kind of the general be nice to you self-care of giving yourself a break for not being perfect at everything right now and using that little bit of a space to give yourself a break to put yourself into the best clinical mind that you can be and the best responsive mind that you can be to each of those hats that you're wearing and the responsibilities that you're having. It may make sense for folks to revisit the episode that we did. I don't know that it'll ring true exactly because we did it from a place of joy and travel, uh, the systems of self-care uh, <laughs> episode. It talks about some of the things that go beyond feel good. It's actually how do you optimize your schedule and those kinds of things. But do recognize that we did this pre-COVID and are talking about going to Kauai, <laughs> which was so nice. But I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think it's making sure that you time block, making sure that you are able to give yourself breaks in between. You talk about going outside. I think all of those things are even more important so that you can be able to be present in the way you're supposed to be present with your clients. So once again, check out our show notes at mtsgpodcast.com. While you're over there, check out for the latest updates on the Therapy Reimagined conference. And frankly, when this episode drops. I don't think that the newest updates will actually be reflected up there yet, but continue to go back <laughs> to the website and see how we are transitioning the conference into something that we're hoping is really cool and new and a way of conceptualizing what a therapy conference can be given the nature of the world that we're in now. Dare we say that we are reimagining a therapist conference? Meta. So meta. <laughs> And join the Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 